Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 110 of Grow Bud Yourself. We got a great show for you guys. Uh, The interview is with Rami Vardy of 818 Brands. Uh, We're going to talk a lot about scaling up and uh, big grows. We got some uh, a giveaway, a seed giveaway we're going to announce early on. I got a grow tip, a spring planting guide, as well as uh, answers to your grow questions and much more. Uh, here on episode 110 of Grow Bud Yourself, brought to you by Seeds Here Now, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Excelsior Extracts, and Prime Superior Inoculant. Stick around. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. All right, welcome back, and here we are. It's episode 110 of Grow Bud Yourself. Um, as mentioned, we got a great show. I want to thank DJ Jacques and Winstrong uh, for the incredible reggae tune that opens up the show. Grow Bud Yourself, and uh, episode 110, how you feeling, Mikey? Uh, you know, it definitely could be worse. I think we have a good show, so that's exciting. We got a, we got some news. We got a great interview, excellent cultivation uh, segment, but also... A giveaway because we're we're going crazy with the giveaways starting now yeah yeah we're doing giveaways every show and i got a lot of cool stuff to give away um and we're gonna do them every show so if you guys want to participate um listen to the show uh the giveaway for this week is similar to two episodes ago um we're gonna do the seeds here now giveaway um you got to be following grow bud yourself and uh seeds here now on instagram um their instagram is in the uh in all our materials and everything uh it changes once in a while due to bands and things like that but um as long as you're following uh grow by yourself and seeds here now on instagram um and comment on this on the post for this episode episode 110 um on the grow by yourself instagram um tag seeds here now uh use hashtag grow by yourself and you could be uh eligible to win a three pack of guava autos from loud seeds um courtesy of seeds here now uh if you want to purchase seeds from seeds here now uh definitely use that gby free ship code uh for free shipping on all the seeds that you order um and thank you to seeds here now uh for supporting grow bud yourself and many other 
uh, amazing cannabis podcasts. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, hopefully you guys got all of that. Basically, just follow Grow Bud Yourself and Seeds Here Now. Um, comment on the Grow Bud Yourself post for this episode 110. Um, tag Seeds Here Now and Grow Bud Yourself. And comment as to why you think uh, – you should win the three pack of guava autos from loud seeds. And uh, yeah, we hope to see you guys in the comments section on Instagram. Yeah, for sure. And just so you know, uh, listeners, it's not just seeds. If that's not your thing, we're going to be doing all sorts of giveaways uh, over the years. We've accumulated quite a few um, kind of amazing products from a variety of companies, and we want to give these these products away to you. So keep tuning in to the podcast and you'll I mean, just give some examples, Dan, of what the what we are giving away here. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a uh, uh, Banana Brothers. This is like a spliff making machine. It's incredible. Uh, I roll my own spliffs, uh, but if uh, if you want, you basically just put some bud into this machine and it spits out uh, a cone spliff joint. Perfectly uh, rolled. So, uh, pretty amazing. That's the yeah, absolutely. That's from Banana Brothers, uh, and it's a great uh, great value. And we're gonna give that away. I think on the next episode, um, I've got dab rigs i've got all kinds of cool stuff um that we're going to give away and we're making more merch you guys so um we do have right now some merch on the grow bud yourself website and on our social media uh, i think we have a coffee mug iphone case and a uh what's the like a water bottle uh, a water bottle yeah i actually own one of the water bottles it's pretty awesome i bring it golfing um keeps the water ice cold for hours, which is pretty amazing. And I would imagine it would do the same if something was warm, um, AKA a soup of, of sorts or coffee, yeah, you know, something uh -huh. like that. Anyway, I digress, but we're going to have merch. We're going to have uh, t-shirts, sweatshirts, all kinds of cool stuff uh, available for you guys. If I see you wearing any of our merch or you show me that you own any of our merch uh, at any of these events that we're at, uh, I'll, I'll give you a grow bud yourself stickers for free. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. We're going to get some merch going. I would be uh, absolutely verklempt out there if in the world to see some uh, Grow Bud Yourself merch being worn by our, our loyal listeners. That would be indeed quite the sight. We would love to see it. So yeah, keep checking back for, for merch and keep listening for great giveaway opportunities here on Grow Bud Yourself. Absolutely. And join our Patreon. I just put up a video up there of me uh, transplanting a plant into a larger container uh, and basically just showing how that's done uh, exclusively so far for our Patreon uh, listeners. I'll eventually release that to the public, but uh, for now you have to join our Patreon and you can do that for as little as $4.20 per month. Um, so if you can afford, you know, one fancy cup of coffee per month, uh, you can join us. You can join at higher levels too. There's all kinds of free stuff that you get. Uh, we really appreciate people joining up there and becoming part of that community. And we want to keep on building that community. Uh, and I'll even answer grow questions on there too, as well for you guys, uh, privately. So, uh, join patreon.com slash Danny Danko. And, uh, yeah, what's, uh, what's going on out there in the news? Um, okay, yeah, so cannabis news. Um, let's start here in New York, where Dan and I live. Uh, so here in New York, the adult use retail sales program appears to have kind of stagnated. There's been little movement in implementing this system. So faced with this reality, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul, our governor, has introduced new legislation. 
But that's not to increase or speed up the number of retail locations available to New Yorkers, but rather to shut down the shops that are selling pot products illegally. So the new bill would encourage law enforcement to go after retailers selling cannabis without a license, and uh, it would hit shop owners with fines of over $10,000 a day. Those who were cultivating or manufacturing pot products without a license, they could be slapped with fines as high as $200,000. So, uh, while the proposed legislation would still have to be approved by the state assembly, it's interesting to note that Hochul, who previously used legalized cannabis as a political tool leading up to the election, is choosing to solve the state's problem uh, with a lack of accessible cannabis by making it even harder for people to get cannabis. Yeah, I mean, I could see this coming from a mile away. Once this new, once the licensed mm-hmm. shops open, there will be crackdowns on the unlicensed shops, and that's just a fact. But we need the um, licensed shops to open. I don't know if ten. Right. Well, like I said, there's now I think three open in Manhattan. There's one open upstate. That's enough for them to say, you know. I, you know, I went through, I, I mean, I don't know if the, the shops are saying this, but in reality, you know, they went through all the trouble of getting the licenses and spending all the money and renting out the places and, you know, jumping through all the, the regulatory hoops uh, to open a legal shop. And they're surrounded by bodegas and uh, unlicensed smoke shops that are selling um, Cali packs and things like that. And, of course, uh, that's going to cut into their ability to make money legally in the market. And I think, you know, obviously the governor and the mayor, they don't want to uh, start, you know, heavy handed arrests and, and knocking down doors or anything like that, because that's just not a good look. Uh, but they are going to start cracking down and they're going to crack down by levying these fines. They're going to go after the landlords of the, the people who own the buildings that these shops are in and tell them, hey, you know, you're going to forfeit your your lead, your, you know, your ability to own this property basically by knowingly having these people selling uh, cannabis illegally out of it. Um, and they're basically going to have to one by one go through. I mean, these, these shops open, it's their own fault. I mean, it's the government's own fault. They legalized year, a couple of years ago now, more than two years ago. And only the first shops, legal, licensed legal shops only opened in January. So, uh, you know, they created the void that people filled um and now they've got to sort of undo that and i don't know if the toothpaste is out of the tube or whatever uh cliche we want to say but the idea is there are these shops are all over the city everywhere i mean every block and the combination of the pandemic leaving all these storefronts open uh cheap rents and being able to just set up shop and sell you know cannabis out of these stores uh, I don't even know if $10,000 a day is, is enough to get some of these places to stop because maybe they're making more than that. So who knows? I mean, I, I think uh, ultimately this conundrum that the government got themselves into by legalizing and then not facilitating that process and making it a quick transition uh, led to this overabundance of unlicensed stores. And, um, you know, I don't know what the solution is. I know, uh, obviously, the more and more licensed stores that open, the more they're going to crack down. But uh, I feel like it's, uh, you know, the shampoo is, has been <laughs> out of the bottle, <laughs> whatever you want to say. Uh, but it is kind of an interesting time here because you have all these unlicensed shops and then licensed ones are opening up. And I don't think any of the 
consumers really know the difference. Uh, there's a sticker that they put on the door, but I mean, that's, you know, not going to be noticeable by most of the people who are out there trying to purchase cannabis. So uh, how do they even tell the difference? I don't know. Um, so the, the, there's going to be, uh, you know, some confusion out there and there's going to be this weird transitionary period. I, for one, enjoyed the free-for-all, but uh, it is going to come to an end, as Dan alluded to. The government wants its cut. I just think it's kind of interesting that this was a burning issue for Hochul while she was uh, the interim governor up for re-election. And now uh, now that she got elected, it's uh, not quite so important to her, but we'll see what happens. Maybe there'll, there'll be an uh, influx of new shops opening up. So from New York, let's go to Arizona, where there is a recall of cannabis products underway. The Arizona Department of Health announced this week that uh, state dispensaries are recalling several cannabis products due to exposure to a type of fungus called aspergillus. If consumed, the fungus can cause cold-like symptoms, including a cough and even shortness of breath. It was actually State Department health auditors inspecting a cannabis testing lab that discovered the contamination that led to the recall. So the products that were found to have this uh, fungus contamination include Blood Oath by Potent Planet, Mango Sunrise by Nature's Wonder, Muddy Waters by Source One Meds, and Jenny Cush and Big Mac by Deep Root Farm. While no one has come forward with adverse effects at this point, officials say that they're carrying out the recall um, out of an abundance of caution. However, if you have one of the contaminated products, the health department advises you discard it and seek medical attention if you've already consumed it. So, Dan, what do you think here? Do you have any idea how uh, cannabis can become contaminated with a, a fungus like this? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It happens Um either while the plants are growing or while they're drying. And uh, aspergillus is something that's out there in the air. Uh, it's a, a, a mold uh, that is very prevalent in, in the world. And so um, it's very easy for cannabis to come down with that and also then to test positive for that. Um, this is why it's important to have the testing. I mean, for years we smoked cannabis that was overfed, uh, covered in any kind of pesticides that were available to anyone out there in the world. Uh, the government at one point was spraying Paraquat on Mexican cannabis while it was still in the fields and that was being harvested and packaged and sent uh, to us with basically, uh, you know, poison on it, you know, plant killing poison. Paraquat is like, you know, it, it's it's there to actually just destroy the plant. But if the plant is immediately harvested, you know, bricked up and shipped, uh, maybe maybe the consumer won't notice, but your lungs will notice. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we've been smoking uh, contaminated cannabis all our lives. If you're if you're anywhere near my age, uh, anything that came from Mexico or anywhere else, really, there was no testing and no way to know. Uh, only visual inspection basically uh, could really tell you. Okay, there's mold in this, <laughs> and I can tell you. Um, from personal experience, there was moldy Mexican brickweed, there was moldy Arizona, Cali, everything that's out there uh, was, uh, there There was contaminated versions of that um, that were passed around and, and, and smoked and consumed. So uh, we're lucky now to be able to have the testing being done uh, and to have these products taken off the shelf if they've tested positive. It's, it's very important for our health. We're 
we're burning this product and, and, and breathing it into our lungs. So, you know, the last thing you want to do is, is have a lung infection or any of these problems. And that's for a healthy person, for a medical patient, all the more important, uh, if you have compromised immunity, not to mess with that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it is important to test for, for, for pesticides, mold, uh, more important, in my opinion, than even, you know, THC level and, and CBD and terpenes and all that. I mean, that I can tell by smoking the product, you know, I can I can get an idea of, of, of the potency and of, uh, you know, what sort of terpenes are, are, are dominant. But uh, in some cases, you have no idea about pesticides or mold um, without being able to visually see that. Um, so, uh, I'm thankful that, that we have this type of testing for, for licensed and legal cannabis. Uh, and I think it's important. I do think that, you know, not all cannabis is going to be tested. Obviously, homegrown uh, doesn't go through this, but you do need to be vigilant and um, keep an eye on, on your plants and make sure there there's no, you know, powdery mildew, mold, aspergillus, or, or any other kind of uh, non-beneficial bacterias and molds. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a good system to have in place. I'm a little curious why uh, the state auditors are the ones who found the uh, the contamination and not the testing lab itself, but perhaps that's a story we'll get into another day. Um, we have time to do one more, so let's go to New Hampshire. And we've mentioned many times on this show that New Hampshire has become an island, sort of standing alone in the Northeast as the only prohibitionist state. However, some lawmakers there have not yet given up on joining the rest of the region by creating better cannabis laws. And most recently, the state House of Representatives passed a measure that would allow medical pot patients to grow their own cannabis at home. Uh, the bill would allow for the cultivation of three mature, three immature plants, and 12 seedlings for the state's medical patients. It would also expand the number of plants that dispensaries would be allowed to grow. However... The House has not been the issue in New Hampshire when it comes to marijuana law reform. The Senate is actually where cannabis bills go to die in the Granite State. In fact, according to one estimate, this is now the 11th home cultivation bill the House has passed since 2009. All the previous marijuana measures were killed in the Senate. So uh, while we should be encouraged by the perseverance of the New Hampshire House of uh, Representatives members, it's important to remain realistic about the chances of this latest home grow bill. So yeah, New Hampshire, the House keeps trying, but just nothing, nothing really changes. Yeah, it's unfortunate. The live free or die state is certainly not living free right now. Yeah, and, uh, and hopefully at some point it will join its, uh, its neighbors in this region. And everyone there can enjoy the, the benefits of legal and regulated cannabis. Absolutely. All right. So that is a little look at what's going on in the world of cannabis. Uh, but we have an excellent interview coming right up. Yeah, absolutely. We are speaking with Rami Vardy of 818 Brands. Uh, I mentioned earlier he's also uh, started Stealth, Stealth Grow LED, uh, Spectrum King LED, and uh, helped to bring Tikkun Olam uh, from Israel to California, and now uh, doing 818 Brands. So uh, we are going to talk to him uh, after the break. And so let's take a break and come back with Rami. Do 
you want to take your cultivation program to the next level and grow higher quality, naturally healthier plants? Our new sponsor, Prime Superior, can get you there with simple, safe, and effective products. Whether you're starting with seeds, clones, or your plants are already established, Prime Superior has a product for you. And best of all, you don't have to change anything in your grow program. Just add Prime Superior. Do you want the best biological for cannabis growing? Prime Superior's proprietary strain of Bovaria bassania increases terpenes, cannabinoids, and yield. Inoculate early with Prime Superior and you will see faster germination and larger root mass, which will help you propel your nutrient uptake. Faster growth and more photosynthesis means higher yields and more terpenes and cannabinoids. Plus, Prime Superior has the world's first biological cloning honey to help improve your cloning success. Now's the time to try Prime Superior. Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the code PS420 for 15% off their entire order at primesuperior.com. So don't hesitate, inoculate, and visit primesuperior.com to learn more. All right, welcome back, and uh, we have a special guest for you guys this week. Uh, we are speaking with Rami Vardi. He is the founder of a bunch of different companies, actually, Stealth Grow LED. Uh, back in the day, Spectrum King LED. Uh, he helped bring Tikkun Olam, uh, Israeli company, to California, uh, and is the current founder of 818 Brands. Uh, welcome to the show, Rami. Hey, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, let's take it back uh to the past for people who uh, might not know who you are, uh, why don't you go into basically maybe your origin story, how you got interested oh, yeah. in cannabis. Yeah. How you got interested in cannabis to begin with, and then um, how you got involved in the cannabis industry and business. Cause you've been uh, part of the industry, like the legal industry since 2005. Uh, but tell me uh, even before that kind of where your interest in this plant came about and how, uh, how you then parlayed that into the industry well like i think most of us start in high school where we're introduced to cannabis and uh you know we fall some of us fall in love with it some of us don't i was one of the guys that did fall in love with the plant and wanted to learn more about its medicinal values because as i did research uh, i kind of saw that um in 2005 was when i actually started cultivating um under like a prop 215 you know caregiver's license like most people did back then um and i really fell in love with the plant uh, enjoyed having my own home grow, enjoyed uh, taking care of certain patients, uh, getting them some good product. Um, over time, I really believed in where cannabis was going as far as, you know, becoming a legal business and, you know, actually being able to treat people and sell product like you would, uh, like you would anything else. That's really what interested me is to make something legal of it. I was a computer engineer at the time. I, I was a computer geek. I would go and fix computers by day at, you know, large, uh, large companies like ICM was one of the ones that I used to work at, uh, where like entourage and that whole concept where that show came from. So that was cool working at Italian. See, I was, so I was a complete computer geek, wear a suit, you know, and tie. But when I got home, it was like stripped down, get into shorts and flip flops and then get into my shipping container and, you know, get into my, and get into my grow, uh, deep in the forest where nobody was around me. So, you know, I was definitely that backwoods grower, just like a lot of people in this industry. But I just um, I always wanted to create a legal business out of out of cannabis. And so as as laws adapted, I found, um, you know, I found the opportunity for me to get into it. 
I uh, was introduced to LED technology like in 2007 and eight. And I was like, oh, wow, this is the future of lighting. And as I started to research for commercial purposes, I didn't even think about it for growing initially. I One day while I was at my grow room and my lights turned on, it was like a light bulb in my head. And I'm like, oh, shit, why isn't anybody using LEDs for growing? Um, as I researched it, there wasn't really anything out there. There was like a couple of you know aquarium stuff that came out of China, but there was no LED grow lights yet. And so I decided to kind of take that step and look at LED grow lights and how they would work for cannabis. And of course, I started with the Spider-Man, what I call the Spider-Man lights, the blue and red, uh, you know, dominant wavelength lights. And uh, I was growing with that and, and I would, you know, change a lot of the components and I, and I studied it. I, I changed some spectrums around and I just was never really able to get to that production, like a thousand watt single-edit Hortolux bulb with the triple XL hoods, you know, and if you had the hookups, you got the ones that were even air-cooled. Um, so like, or sorry, the non-vented ones, uh, from, uh, from the shops here in LA, but I was not able to replicate the same results. And so I wasn't, I was never like, uh, wanting to create a company just to like lie to myself or not create something that would be successful or something that I would want as a grower. Um, but, uh, I did have a partner that was helping me fund, uh, my research and he wanted to create a product line as a supplementary light. And we did. So we made Stealth Grow LED. Uh, we were selling through Advanced Nutrients for like two years. We did really well, uh, sold a lot of lights. Um, I was still doing a lot of research and development into it. Um, kind of fast forwarding uh, in 2013, um, after more years in, of growing and more years of research of uh, lighting, I came up with the with the concept of, hey, you know, all this uh, chlorophyll absorption and blues and reds is irrelevant because if you look at an HPS light, you know, it has very little blues and reds. The main dominant spectrum is going to be that yellow-orange spectrum. Why don't I do that? And in 2013, I think it was um, that I took like a 2,000 Kelvin yellow, ugly color, just like an HPS, and made an LED out of it and had the best success I ever had growing with an LED. And I was like, oh, there you go. That's That's the ticket. And so as I did more research and created the full-spectrum light that every company uses today, in 2014, I, I created that, patented, and then launched Spectrum King publicly. Um, and it was the first full spectrum LED grow light. Um, and then maybe about a year and a half after that, I happened to be in Israel, where I uh, I happened to meet the guys at Tikkun Olam because of my lighting uh, company. And uh, we realized that we have a lot more synergies together to work together and who I am in California and what I was doing. And that I had a large facility in the city of Adelanto. And that I was able to facilitate a very nice uh, facility there for them and to bring the brand. And we became partners 50-50 on a joint venture. And uh, we launched Tikkun Olam in uh, early 2017 as well, uh, where we have like uh, 85,000 square feet of greenhouse as well as indoor. It's a light depth. It's a really high light depth. And uh, we produce a lot of products there, a lot of tinctures, vapes, lotions, uh, flour. And then in, and as the years kind of went on in 2019, I felt like there was a huge need for consistent premium uh, product, and I just wasn't seeing that in the market. And me and my friends decided that, hey, let's start strictly indoor, focused on really high-end cultivation, and created that company that's called 818 Brands uh, today. So we, 818 Brands is about 3,500 lights strong today of indoor flowering. Um, and then the Tikkun Alam company is about another thousand-some-odd lights 
you know, so definitely a lot of product that uh, we produce between the different companies. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've had a lot of experience in the market, both medical, recreational and ancillary products. And I've uh, I've just I find it very interesting that some people's perspective on the market and um, where, you know, where I came from. And I'm like, huh, you know, that's interesting. There's even there's even those times, you know, where you see like on blacklist, like people that get shut down. You're like, oh, man, you know, that sucks. But then you're like, huh, from the business side. You know, you want the black black market stuff to get shut down already because you're like all the licensed guys are getting suffering for that. But then they're like, that's where I came from. It's like, how do I how do I hate on people that of where I came from? Like I started out that way. And it's just I, I find that just really from the side of the line that you sit on, like every subject really has like two sides of the story or two two sides of the coin, if you would, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we're having the same sort of thing going on right now in New York, uh, where Mike and I are located, because uh, the first licensed shops and grows have just sort of begun, but uh, legalization was passed a couple of years ago. So we're in a, a, a space where there's a ton of uh, unlicensed uh, grows and, and uh shops and, and, and all of that and, and, and consumption lounges and everything going on because they filled the void that was left basically by not having the license ones open. Um, but what would your advice be, I guess, you know, having seen uh, sort of the ups and downs of the California market, uh, which certainly has have had a lot of ups and downs, uh, as you well know, I mean, uh, as far as people here in New York, I mean, what what should they be aware of? Um, over expansion too quickly. That's number one, you know, uh, definitely mm -hmm. in California, I think we all learned our lesson that regulatory changes can happen very drastically and regulators are not conscientious of your dollars. And so when they want to change a policy, simple as the way you display stuff on a product packaging, right. And all of a sudden you've already spent so much money on packaging and now you have to change it all because the regular made a change that is really, you know, either cumbersome, redundant, or, you know, maybe, or maybe, or maybe it's legitimate, you know, maybe it's a le legitimate change, but you got to really be careful. And I think one thing I've learned from California is don't grow too quickly. Uh, be careful with how much you spend when you invest in something because regulatory changes can happen in a new market. Um, and uh, definitely to, you know, look, uh, some people don't mind cutting corners. I personally just don't live by that lifestyle. I like to sleep good at night. I have children and I never want anybody knocking my door. I never screw anybody over because I just I'm not that type of guy myself. And um, I would recommend that in a new market, you know, you got to just tread lightly. And if you have something successful boutique going for you, keep it going. Don't just try to scale up right away. Yeah. Interesting. Now, you mentioned starting up uh, 818 Brands and California Exotics in 2019 um, and having a couple of years of basically killing it, uh, 2019, 2020, uh, and then comes 2021 and 2022. Uh, can you talk a little bit about sort of what happened to the California market uh, during those years? Um, was it, you know, is this the result of just an overabundance of cannabis, a glut uh, or uh, or otherwise? Uh, yeah, I think, I think there's a couple of contributing factors, right? So one is definitely the, the supply of cannabis. You have places that are opening up that are a million, two million, five million square feet. You hear these numbers that are just insane. 
you know, so number one is, is definitely oversupply. And this is where I say, like with Oklahoma or any state for that matter, that when they allow X amount of licenses, they need to be conscientious of the population density and try to actually do calculation of, hey, what can this market absorb not to create that overabundance? Um, second, I think black market still exists. I mean, I drive up to the city of Adelanto almost every day and on my way up on Palmdale Boulevard and El, sorry, El Mirage, um, I could see the greenhouses from like cartels and people black market growing up in the hills. Like you could visually see it and it's just disturbing that it just continues on. Um, sometimes I go off-roading there and all of a sudden on a trail where there was nothing, there's all of a sudden a greenhouse next week. You know, that's, uh, and so I think the regulators um, need to do more on the illegal cultivation side. You know, I, I don't have anybody ever, I don't have against anybody growing at home. And I think people should have the right to cultivate their own. I absolutely believe that. Um, but I think that the way they've just relaxed the laws have caused a lot of this, you know, or maybe what it is, is they're just not enforcing it on the guys doing it wrong, large scale. Like, I don't believe anybody at home should be penalized, but, you know, somebody who's going out there and doing a whole greenhouse and just, you know, doing it in public view illegally, I think that's just wrong, you know. Um, so I think that's that's another factor. And then third, I think that everybody had a quick rich, uh, get rich quick scheme kind of thing with COVID. And so many people had an abundance of government, you know, um, support that that also created a lot of spending. People were sitting home with money. It's like, come on, what are you going to do? You're going to chill, smoke weed, and watch movies. You know, you're going to hang out. And so you had a lot more of that going on. So I think those three contributing factors were definitely ones that hit California uh, really hard. Yeah, totally. Um, well, this show is primarily, you know, about the home grower. Uh, and I wanted to talk a bit about strains uh, as well with you because, you you know, with 818, you have uh, a number of strains uh, that you guys grow, but let's, let's talk a little bit about what's, what's out there and what's, uh, what, you know, what you see as like trending out, you know, in the industry. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I, I get to see, so I got to see a lot of it. I also just came back from Spanibus. So it was kind of interesting to see what everybody was doing out on the other side of the pond. Like, so, so many people from the U S were over in Spanibus trying to sell, you know, genetics, uh, as you know, USA premium genetics, California genetics and stuff like that. That was uh, something that I saw was very interesting that, you know, pretty much the strains are getting all over the world are, are getting to be the same. But if I if I had a tip for a home grower, I think it just comes down to what are you looking for? Um, so if you're looking for stuff that has a high efficacy, that really is something that you're trying to do for taking care of yourself. I found that heirloom, land race, origin strains, something that I've learned from Tikkun Ulam, um, really have a high efficacy rate on the body. And a lot of the strains that, you know, we grew up here breeding for smell, look, you know, bag appeal is, is not, we didn't, we never took into consideration the effects on the body when the breeding was done. You know, breeding was done, you know, so much over and over in the black market just to get more money per pound, right? It wasn't so. And so I believe that a lot of the strains that we have today that are so crossed over have so many crosses in them. Me as a as a guy who smokes a lot of weed, um, I could tell you that I, I go through like a pound a month in my lungs, not including my vapes. So I, I go I go through a lot of product. Um, I could tell you that I find that stuff that's less crossed uh, has much better feeling and effect. So I would look for stuff that's less bred, 
um, if I was looking for those types of effects. And if you're looking for bag appeal, um, of course, it's always looking for those uh, strains that, uh, that give you those attributes. Uh, gelatos, runs lines, you know, all those family lineage, uh, those do really well uh, for those guys that want that uh, colorful but also high-yielding product. Uh, but there's a lot of that. There's a lot. I, I would just say that um, if you're a grower at home, you're most likely growing it because you care about the product that comes out. And if you want the stuff that's the higher effect, get the stuff that's been less bred. Yeah, interesting. You know, so, so many of the things that are popular are these poly hybrids, but you're really talking about uh, going back to the essence of, of the uh, initial strains that created those poly hybrids. Absolutely. Uh, now, you mentioned, uh, obviously, you know, large scale growers on an illegal uh, or, or unlicensed kind of world. But what about uh, one of the things here that we have in New York is is some of the companies are, are bringing boutique growers into the licensed world as, you know, the head growers for their cultivations. Uh, but they are they are needing to scale up. Um, so aside from you know, your initial advice, which was don't expand too quickly. Uh, what other advice do you have for uh, someone that wants to go from sort of a boutique, uh, small scale growing to a much larger facility? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and let me and just to rephrase like a little bit, like I'm talking about going from like a thousand lights to three, four thousand lights. Right. So already at a thousand lights, you're a very big person. So if you're going from a you know from a 50 light 100 light and you're stepping up to several hundred lights, yeah, that's uh, obviously you know if, if the market is there and you have demand on your product, by by all means you should uh, you know you should take the risk for that reward. Uh, definitely, one thing I learned being somebody who was very boutique in the beginning, I found that it's very hard to um, create boutique uh, SOPs. SOPs, sorry, that would help contribute to that boutique factor of cannabis. It's just hard to do it on the large scale. So you just have to be very creative with how you, um, with how you scale up and, you know, take those boutique SOPs of yours and do them on a large scale. Be mindful of what took you to do in a garage or a warehouse might not be how long it takes for, a, you know, people to do that on a, such a large scale facility, right? So you have to uh, make sure that you're able to actually accomplish those things on a large scale. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me a bit about like 818 brands and basically just sort of uh, what services are available, what what you guys do and, and uh, you know, what you offer the industry. So other than selling the best weed we can possibly grow constantly uh, and, and we make sure our, our product is always fresh with all the rooms that we have, uh, we also provide a service for people that want to get into the California market but don't want to spend a huge uh, amount on infrastructure. We have a very good um, kind of like a WeWork kind of situation here that we have going on uh, in the San Fernando Valley where people can come, rent an office, and have like their brand and launch it here in California. Uh, and they can do that for much more minimal costs than uh than uh what they would do on their own with uh, with a lot with a infrastructure that they would need to put together and licensing um but uh other than that we have our premium flower that we sell we have our vapes we have uh, several lines um a lot of exotics we put down probably 
somewhere around uh, 700 pounds, 800 pounds every single week of fresh three times a week. So when people are buying our product at the dispensary level, they're only getting stuff that's been like two, three weeks old because of packaging time and testing time. You know, so we're always putting out fresh product. If people look at 818 brands, you'll see nothing but premium exotics. Nice, nice. And there's also four gram eights. Is that yeah, yeah. something we you guys yeah, created? Yeah, we used to do that back in the day. We used to have dispensaries. Like we were, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to take credit for originating the idea, but I don't remember many people doing that. Let's put it that way when we brought it up. And so we thought, you know, especially today where value is something that consumers really appreciate. We thought that consumers would really appreciate that if they already having to spend that kind of money at a dispensary, the least that we could do from a farm level is give them that little extra, that little bit extra. Absolutely. And um, I would assume that you're, you, what type of lighting are you utilizing in these, these huge <laughs> uh, cultivations? Like what, what's your preferred, uh, preferred situation there? You know, so obviously, you know, I don't want to sound biased to my to my own company that I used to own, uh, Spectrum King LED, but I I just really go with what I know. There's quality behind it, um, and reliability, and um, I have yet to find something that I was happy with to where you know I wasn't going to buy mine. Believe me, there's been plenty of times where, due to COVID constraints and supply chain, I was stuck almost buying other products, but. I just uh, was not able to find what I was what I was able to recommend to somebody. Um, I love the Spectrum King lights. I think my engineers did a great job. It's really high quality. It's great priced. Um, we used to make it in the USA, but unfortunately, uh, due to people kind of like the THC game, right, for the dollar, uh, that extra hundred bucks that we used to cost versus other people that were manufacturing overseas, we were not able to compete with that. And so we had to move our manufacturing to Malaysia, but we still have our offices here. Uh, but Spectrum King is available. It's a great product. And if anybody wants to check it out, they can go on 818 Brands uh, Instagram or YouTube and check it out. But we definitely pound it, man. We have really good lighting. And there's there's a whole other thing about lighting, by the way. Lighting, I could talk to you for hours. The, the There's a whole misconception about lighting. Um, the department of DLC that is regulating horticulture efficiency, it's, it's all wrong. Um, the what people are focusing on the pp uh sorry the uh the umos the ppe is completely wrong um it's not the right thing but i mean i don't want to i don't want to launch on you right now with led and knowledge there's there's a whole rabbit hole that i could talk about with leds and i, I used to make some really good segments online uh where people really enjoyed listening to but it, it's skewed lighting in the industry is, is skewed there's there's and i have validity for that wow interesting stuff and uh now, uh, one of the situations here in New York, we mentioned it a little bit, but um, these licensed grows uh, are competing, obviously, with a pretty robust uh, underground market. Uh, and as someone who you mentioned, you're competing not only with a, a, a California underground, but people are now exporting into California uh, from places like Oklahoma and things like that. So. Uh, and probably from from up north as well and, and, and even down south. So uh, what advice do you have for the licensed operators here in New York, uh, the, the, the cultivators and maybe even the shops of like how how to compete? Because they're paying, you know, regulatory fees. They're paying taxes. They're, their, you know, point of entry is much higher than someone that just opens up a storefront or just um, grows packs 
to just basically sell on the street or in a in a unlicensed shop yeah totally i i really feel for the people in new york i think there is a huge regulatory problem there i think that uh um you know called the governing body um has really failed its people in the way it's it's uh you know created these rules and regulations certain things have to come before certain things for everything to line up properly and for suppliers to be able to have you know their distribution chain their sales outline chain and, and everything else um I think that what I would say in order to compete, because you're talking about a dollar situation here, what we've done here in California, which is the only thing that I can compare it to, is we've made sure to slim down the costs uh, by all by all means necessary. You know, I'll give you a small example, right, where we used to have a manager managing, you know, a certain type of group of people, you know, we would then need to look at you know, kind of slimming down on positions that if more people can do, if less people can do more things, you know, can take on more things, then you're able to kind of slim down your your employment costs. Um, I think you need to do everything to slim down your infrastructure costs. One thing that I saw in California that was uh, very deadly to a lot of facilities was the high land cost of, of it because people said, hey, with $2,000 a pound, you know, $2,500 a pound, we can afford a land cost of 2 to $4 a square foot. I would say do not do that. Do not enter this market just because the market is fresh and rich. Do not enter into some sort of long-term or some sort of lease agreement that's going to be overinflated just because the market today. You got to think about tomorrow. Um, and overall, slimming down costs, those are the things that we've done here in California to where we became a profitable company. Uh, because we realized that, hey, we cannot run like we used to run in 2019. We have to slim down in many areas that we can, whether it's on certain nutrients, on certain supplies, uh, and even certain tactics. And this is go this goes back to the boutique thing. You're not going to be able to, when you get to a situation like California, you just can't implement all those boutique SOPs because the cost will just cost you that much more and you're not going to be able to compete or make any money as a company. So Definitely make sure you slim down on costs if you're having to compete with the black market. That seemed to help us here in California and bring us under that bar to where we, we went from negative to positive. Nice, nice. Now, uh, let people know how they can learn more about uh, you and 818 Brands. Uh, and, and even if they want to necessarily uh, build a brand of their own in the Cali market or in the future, maybe elsewhere, uh, how can they find out more info uh, definitely. Um, we can, uh, if they can go ahead and go to uh, 818brands.com. Uh, let's see, the best way is going to be, yeah, the website. We have all of our contact information there, uh, email addresses, everything else. Um, we'd be happy to help anybody out that wants help. Uh, on Instagram, we're under 818 Los Angeles. If you want to look us up over there and reach out to us uh, via an Instagram uh, message, you can do that as well. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Rami, uh, Rami Vardy the founder of 818 Brands. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, and we will be back after these messages with more Grow Bud Yourself.
Hey friends, I just want to let you know that friends don't let friends bring clones home. You don't know what the phenotypes are. You don't know whether there's pests or disease on those clones. The only way to really truly guarantee you're growing the phenotype of choice is through seeds. And the best way to get the seeds you want is through Seeds Here Now. Established way back in 2010, Seeds Here Now has been satisfying customers with the best genetics from the best breeders in the world. Pretty much anyone you want, they've got. With an average rating of 4.8 stars, Seeds Here Now is one of the most trusted and respected seed banks in the world. And Seeds Here Now is the only seed bank with a satisfaction guarantee. Plus, Seeds Here Now offers regular deals on seeds. Just click the On Sale tab on their website to see that month's deals on a variety of incredible genetics. And if you sign up for their email list, you'll be entered to win free seeds every time a Seeds Here Now email goes out. And Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the promo code GBY10 for 10% off anything on the site. So check out SeedsHereNow.com and get started on your own dream garden. All right. Welcome back. And uh, yeah, thank you to uh, Rami Vardy of 818 Brands uh, for the great uh, interview segment. And we are now in the cultivation segment. Uh, No strain this fortnight or this week, but uh, uh, I do have a grow tip. And uh, my grow tip is basically my spring planting guide. Uh, And this is for the outdoor growers primarily or greenhouse growers. But at the same time, Uh, I think the indoor growers will learn something from it as well. Uh, Basically, if you want a big yield in the fall, you really have to do the right things in the spring, planting and planning. Um, So if you want to master those early stages, it's the only way that you're going to have a really good harvest down the road. So I want to start with a quote from from Sitting Bull, actually. Uh, Behold, my friends, the spring has come. The earth has gladly received the embraces of the sun and we shall soon see the results of their love. Yeah. So that's sitting bull. He's talking about the spring and how the sun warms the earth and that, you know, the, they embrace each other and then we see the results of their love. And that's the, uh, the amazing, beautiful cannabis that you're going to grow and harvest in the fall. Uh, But, you know, you need to start early and you need to plan all of this out uh, in the spring, in some cases, even in, in the in the winter uh, prior to that spring, because uh, you really want to be able to start these plants indoors. Um, starting plants outdoors gives them uh, a, a big struggle to go through early on in life. So uh, you really want to start the plants indoors, your seedlings or your clones. Um, so we're going to get into that. But you want them under lights uh indoors and then you want to acclimate them slowly to the outdoors because the sun is obviously a lot stronger than any kind of lights that you have inside um anyway what this means is you have to plan ahead and have an indoor vegetative space if you can um in order to uh grow the seedlings or the clones um that you're going to put outside i recommend growing with seeds outside uh the benefits of clones is really uh, knowing obviously that what strain it is and exactly how it's going to behave. Um, but also having a level canopy, a lot of the benefits are for indoor growers, um, having all, all the plants behave the same. Um, that's something that matters indoors a lot more than it matters outdoors. So for outdoors, I do recommend growing from seed. 
and starting those seeds indoors and letting giving them a healthy veg indoors. I mean, getting them as big as possible before you put them outside is ideal. And when you see those big, you know, 10, 15 footers um, that they grow out in NorCal, I mean, those plants are started in, you know, December or even November of the prior year and they grow till three feet or, or four feet tall indoors before they're even placed outdoors in the spring. So either way, you know, whether you want to grow those big monsters or just regular size plants, um, you want to start indoors. You want to have those plants uh, initially under uh, fluorescence or LEDs to get them started. Uh, and then if you're going to have that longer veg time indoors, you might want to switch um, to, you know, metal halides. Uh, those would be recommended most for vegging, in my opinion, ceramic metal halides. Uh, but there's also some great LEDs you can put them under. Um, the halides, you have the benefit of a little more heat, uh, a little more intensity of the light. So uh, the plant won't be as shocked when you put it outside. Uh, like I said, you just want a nice, healthy uh, veg space. You want it to be around 70, 75 degrees of Fahrenheit. Uh, humidity, you know, 50 to 60 degrees. Uh, Well-lit, clean veg space. Um, and then you're going to want to germinate the seeds. Uh, you know, obviously there's the wet paper towel method, but I don't recommend it. Um, that's basically where you take two, uh, moist paper towels, place the seeds in between them, uh, wait until the seeds pop open and then gently place them taproot down, uh, into your growing medium. Uh, it's just, you don't want to let the root get too long. You want to be very gentle, um, you want to make sure that taproot obviously is pointing downwards. It will probably readjust if not. But either way, uh, I think the easiest and most fail-proof way is just to sow the seeds directly into your growing medium. I think getting a tray um, with, you know, plugs in it or filling it with your own uh, pre-made soil mix, um, you know, the trays will grow 64 seedlings in a tray. Uh, they're very easy to maintain the humidity, the temperature. Um, it's just a really simple, easy way. Either way, um, you have your, your moistened soil mix. Uh, it could be cocoa. It could be rock wool also. Um, but whatever it is, you drop the seed in, uh, about a quarter to a half inch deep. Um, then cover the seed with mix. If it's rock wool, just kind of like squeeze the rock wool a little bit to kind of cover up the seed a little, um, and then basically just uh, high humidity and warmth uh, underneath. I like the simple uh, electric uh, heat mats that you can put under the plastic tray uh, to keep it warm. And then, you know, pour some uh, either mild nutrient mix or even just plain water in the tray. Uh, not a lot. Obviously, you don't want those uh, roots drowning. But you can have about a, a quarter inch or so of that uh of that uh, mild nutrient solution or water in the bottom of that tray, uh, warmed by that mat, and then with the uh, clear plastic dome over the top to keep the humidity in. Um, and basically, within a couple of days, you'll see that tiny green shoot um, emerging from your mix or your soil or your rock wool or whatever. At that point, it has to be under adequate grow lighting. As soon as there's any green, um, you want to get lights over those plants uh, and keep that light. Not too far away either, depending on what kind of light. I mean, fluorescence can be very close within a few inches. Uh, HIDs, uh, like metal halides, should be further away. Even LEDs should be a little further away. But you don't want the plant stretching. So uh, you want your seedling nice and strong 
uh, and short and stocky at this point. Um, again, I would recommend seeds for this. Uh, you can also get that hybrid vigor if you're growing uh, the F1 or first filial generation um, and really get a really nice, strong plant. Uh, clones are not going to have the same, you know, a taproot the way that seed seedlings do either. So uh, I think it's important outdoors to have a nice taproot that goes down uh, deep uh, and searches for, for water when there might not be water and just basically is like the anchor for the plant. Um, now with clones, you don't get that as much. Um, but again, if you have mother plants and you want to, and you know, that's the strain you want to grow outside um, and you don't, there's no seeds available. It's a clone only, or for whatever reason, um, you're going to want to root your clones, basically kind of a similar thing. You want to keep them moist, uh, and warm, uh, same kind of tray. I like, uh, rock wool, but there's a lot of options now that are not rock wool that work just as well, holding water, letting oxygen, uh, permeate, uh, as well but keeping that cut end wet, um, which is important. So basically you just have your vegging mother plants, uh, use a sharp blade, cut uh, just below a node, uh, leaving at least three sets of leaves intact um, on the cutting that you just removed. Uh, take you know maybe some of the, the lower set of leaves off the cutting, um, basically right out of the node that you just cut below, uh, and then place that cut end into your moistened medium of choice, rock wool, soil, cocoa, whatever. Um, there's plugs for that too, as well that you can buy. Um, just remember that temperature and humidity are very important to getting, uh, successful, uh, seedling roots rooted and clones rooted. So, uh, I like the plastic tray with the heat mat and the clear plastic dome, uh, a cheap, efficient, uh, way to get all this done. Uh, and you can do 64 seedlings or clones in each, uh, tray. So there's plenty, uh, you know, there's plenty of stuff you can do in just a very small space with this. Um, you know, you want those mother plants healthy. You want those mother plants uh, to be in their vegetative stage. Uh, and you don't want them to be, uh, you know, have like any unhealthy growth because then the clones aren't going to be healthy either. Um, either way, basically, once uh, the plant has established himself uh, or herself, I should say, um, with a seedling once the roots are, you know, popping out the bottom of your tray, same thing with uh, clone. You want to get those into a larger container at that point. Um, even if it's just maybe like a 16-ounce cup, which I think are great. Those uh, plastic bar cups uh, or keg party cups uh, work really good for this. You just poke a few holes in the bottom. Uh, make sure they're not clear cups, uh, opaque, you know, the red or the blue or whatever. And... Uh, you put your mix in there, transplant your uh, seedling or clone, your rooted uh, clone into that container. Uh, and then you're really kind of in the vegetative stage. Uh, so you just want to make sure those roots are happy. Uh, give them a little boost of nitrogen in the nutrient solution. And, uh, you know, just as long as you have healthy green leaves and new growth, um, that's going to be a sign that your nutrient levels are good. Um, if there's yellow leaves, and the leaves start to fade, uh, you want to bump up the nutrients, make sure your pH is within the proper parameters here. Uh, basically, uh, for soil, I would say, uh, you know, 6.0 to 6.8 or so, slightly on the acidic side for hydro, you could go uh, 5.6 to, you know, 6.4 or so, a little, a little more acidic. Uh, but either way, 
Um, you just want to keep the plants real healthy, um, short and stocky during this point, like keep the light nice and low. Um, if there's any sort of burnt leaves, uh, you want to flush the plant with plain water because that's going to be a, a sign of overabundance of nitrogen in particular and other nutrients. Um, and then uh, basically you want to keep in mind whatever the size of the, you know, the eventual container uh, that you're going to put the plant into. So uh, I would say if you're growing outdoors, you want to use no, nothing smaller than five gallon pots. Uh, even better are 10 or even larger, uh, especially if you have that longer vegetative stage um, for these plants. Uh, if you can get them into the ground, I would say don't go into your native soil unless it's really amazing uh, garden soil. Uh, I would dig out a hole as big as you can um, and put your uh, soil mix, your compost, your green sand, whatever kind of additives you want to put, mix them all in there um, and then put the plant there. Uh, you just, if it's early in the spring and the plant is not getting enough light and, and, and you don't want it to start flowering, you may want to use supplemental light, um, even if it's just an hour or two in, in the evening, just to keep that plant in the vegetative stage until it gets into um, June and July when it'll just be a natural veg time um just remember you know the bigger the root the bigger the fruit so you know a big space and then uh you know spring and summer is the time to do your pruning um in order to get a bigger bush uh outside so any kind of uh pruning training techniques anything you want to do like that now is definitely going to result in a uh bigger yield later because you'll have more tops um, cannabis wants to grow like a Christmas tree, uh, but once you take that top branch off or bend it or, or manipulate it in any kind of fashion below any of the other branches, um, it'll, it'll turn into a Hanukkah bush, <laughs> you know, so that the, there's more tops, um, more big buds and, uh, just a bigger yield for sure. Um, in that case, you're probably going to also potentially need, um, some kind of trellising, uh, but. We'll talk about that on a future episode. This has been the Spring Planting Guide, getting started um, with outdoor or greenhouse plants. Um, and if you got indoor plants, I think um, hopefully a lot of the same things apply. All right. Yes. Excellent grow tip for the Spring Planting Guide. That time is upon us. Uh, so, yes, thank you for that. And now it is time to take some questions from our listeners if you have a question you would like answered, get in touch with us. You could reach us by email, which is info at growbudyourself.com. You could also get us on uh, Facebook, Patreon, YouTube, all the usual places. So let's hop right in here with a question from Facebook. This comes from Richard, and he writes, uh, Hello, Danny and Mike. Nice to hear the podcast more often again. My question is, my last harvest was jarred and burped at least three times a day for maybe two months reading 54 or so humidity in the jar. The bud was smelling amazing the entire time. Now, five months later, it gets burped maybe twice a month. The humidity in the jar is at 50% humidity, but now I'm starting to notice maybe a bit of ammonia smell. What do I need to do to keep my bud smelling strong? Do I need to be burping more? Uh, do I need a humidity pack? I hear a year shelf life is actually good, but I've also heard at three years it can still be good for some people. Uh, please help me keep my buds smelling great, Danny, with your great wisdom. Thanks, guys. So, uh, yeah, what would you say here to Richard? Yeah, I would say that um, I feel like your humidity is too high. Uh, 54 
um, and even 50% is, is too high for cured cannabis. You want it to be, um, you know, closer to 15 or 20, um, percent humidity at that point. Um, so I do think that you need to burp the jar more, uh, twice a month is certainly not enough when it's that much, uh, humidity. So I would go back to maybe, um, once a day or so, um, I think that would keep it fine and good and replace the air inside the jar enough to to uh, to not have that ammonia smell in the future. All right. Excellent. Thank you, uh, Richard. Let's go to Raven, who writes, uh, and this sort of relates to uh, what you were talking about earlier in the segment. Uh, Raven writes, I want to start my plants with good old-fashioned natural sunlight and then bring them in when they start to show off their true beauty. Is it okay to start them outdoors in pots and then move them indoors? What do you What do you think there, Dan? Yeah, that's an interesting question because, you know, like I said, I just got done talking about spring planting and how you want to start the plants inside uh, and bring them outdoors. Um, but if you're starting them outside and bringing them indoors, uh, it's, it's, it's something you can do, uh, you know, the thing you, you're going to have to understand a few things, though. Um Starting them outside really depends on how much light they're also getting outside. So if they're getting, you know, 12 and 12 uh, outside, they're going to immediately start flowering once they uh, emerge out of, uh, you know, the, the soil. Uh, so you may want to supplement the lighting. You might want to bring those outdoor plants inside uh, as they're growing. Give them some supplemental light to keep them in the vegetative stage. Um, even if it's just a, an hour or two, I mentioned that earlier, um, light supplementation, uh, keeps plants in the vegetative stage, light deprivation, uh, will make them flower. Um, you just have to make sure that, uh, you're delivering enough light to your plants. Um, also plants that are used to full sunlight, uh, are going to need strong indoor lighting when they come inside. Same as the plants going inside, go outside, need, uh, acclimate, acclimation, to bright full sunlight, uh, plants that are coming in from full sunlight uh, are going to need nice, strong lighting indoors uh, to continue to thrive. So uh, I would recommend for that either really good LEDs or uh, HIDs, uh, ceramic metal halides, or you know, if in a pinch you could use high-pressure sodium lights, although uh, I recommend those more for the fall. Uh, but, you know, now LEDs are so great uh, in many cases that you can do this with uh, with LEDs. So um, the other thing you need to be vigilant of is uh, integrated pest management. We call that IPM. Uh, you got to make sure you're not bringing pests inside uh, along with your plants when you bring them in. Uh, because without predators indoors, um, those bugs are going to reproduce very quickly. Uh, you're going to have an infestation really quick. And most outdoor plants have at least a few bugs on them. Um, the key being that, you know, there's other predators out there um, that will help keep those populations low. Uh, indoors, you don't have that unless you bring in predators of your own, uh, which you can. But uh, also just be wary of uh, bringing outdoor plants inside. Uh, keep, a, keep them separated from any other indoor plants that you have. Um, and basically, uh, keep them, keep them, uh, keep a close eye on the plants, uh, the surface of the soil, the undersides of the leaves, anything. Um, because like I said, most outdoor plants have at least a few bugs on them. 
once you bring them in and there's nothing to control them, um, they will multiply. So uh, that's basically the keys to bringing outdoor plants inside. Um, acclimate them, make sure they're getting enough light and uh, not just the intensity of the light, but the amount of light per day. Um, and then keep an eye on them uh, for pests and potential powdery mildew and things like that. All right, very good. Uh, we got time for one more here. It's actually more of a statement than a question, but it comes from Gone Postal. And uh, he writes, Hey guys, so it's been quite a few episodes now since you guys talked about how you need to come up with a name for us listeners to be referred to. I tried really hard to think of one and no such luck until yesterday I had a moment of realization or I just took one too many puffs on the joint. But uh, you could call us listeners your grow-ups. Grow-ups, okay. Uh, the reason being, through this podcast, you're helping to teach us the life lessons we need to become grown-up, and then we can leave the roost and we uh, start our very own grow-ups. So, grow-ups. What do you what do you think there, Dan? I like it. Grow-ups. <laughs> I like it. Instead of grown-ups, because we don't want to be grown-ups. Yeah, we, we certainly don't want to be grown-ups. So, uh, grow-ups that start their own grow-ups, I, I kind of like it. <laughs> I think it's great. I love it. Yeah. And we don't want to be grown-ups. No, certainly not. He has a brief right. PS here, which I'll just read real quick. Uh, through the confidence of Danny saying I'm on the right track, I guess this is in response to a, a previous question he asked on the show. Uh, the, the logistical info on how to measure my CFM and other things, I am indeed on my way to finishing up my second bathroom's renovation. Also, I've been trying to get the wife to let me buy a new 600-watt light to go with my 200-watt light, and uh, she just doesn't quite get why my cheap one belongs in the trash. So I was able to say, see, this dude has wrote, <laughs> written a book on growing, and he says that that's the one thing he definitely recommends me doing. Interesting. You're you're sort of uh, mediating this, <laughs> yeah. this relationship here. Well, yeah, I think I do remember this question. And uh, let me just say I don't want to get in between you and your wife for any reason. Uh, but, you know, upgrading is usually a good idea. And uh, certainly when you have a 200-watt light, it's definitely good to upgrade from that. Um, and if she's not a smoker, maybe she won't know uh, the benefits. But if she is, she'll definitely see the benefits. So... Hopefully that'll work out for you. Um, and yeah, thanks for the uh, the name, the grow ups, and uh, uh, hope you full on success in your grow ops. Nicely done. All right, so that's that's gonna do it for us uh, here today. If you have a question that you would like answered on the show, whether it's about growing or just a marital question that you think Dan could be helpful answering, uh, <laughs> get in touch with us. It's uh, info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we take a little break, come back, and then wrap this one up? Absolutely, let's do it. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E X C E L S I O R 
E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. Uh, DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right, welcome back. And as always, this is the wrap. Uh, I want to thank uh, Rami Vardy of 818 Brands, uh, Jacques and Winstrong, all of you guys for listening. The sponsors, Seeds Here Now. Uh, check out seedsherenow.com for all your cannabis seeds from so many incredible, reputable breeders. Use the code GBY free ship for free shipping on all seeds. Uh, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, the code there, Danko15 for 15% off. Uh, everything at the sweetleaf.com site. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com, like a hotel suite. And you can get codes for 20% or even 25% off uh, by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Thank you to Excelsior Extracts uh, Eternally. Uh, Check out their THC-infused pain relief rub. Follow them on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. Uh, Prime Superior Inoculant. Want to thank them too. An incredible product, perfect uh, for spring planting and all your uh, growing needs. PS420 is the code for 15% off uh, for Prime Superior Inoculant. Uh, if you want to learn more about their product, check out episode 91 uh, when we spoke to Dr. Paul Rushton and Todd Young of Prime Superior. Um, want to thank vapor.com. That's our affiliate uh, where you can get all your cannabis consumption uh, products, rolling papers, vaporizers. Um, trays, uh, CBD stuff, pretty much anything you can think of, uh, vapor.com has it for sale. And we have a 20% off code. You'll find 15 out there. If you Google it, you'll find 10%. Um, you probably won't find a lot of 20% off codes. And that code is GrowBudYourself20. Uh, yourself 20 all one word, for 20% off everything they have up there at vapor.com, including, you know, all the new Puffco products, uh, Volcano products, um, every vape you can think of. So check them out, vapor.com. All of you guys that follow us, all the Patreon supporters, all the uh, YouTube subscribers, everyone that follows our social medias and comments and uh, all that, don't forget the seed contest giveaway uh, from Seeds Here Now. Uh, Comment on our Instagram post from Grow Bud Yourself. And thank you to you guys for listening. Thank you, Mike. And uh, I think that's a long enough episode here. So why don't we put it in the books?